launching a blockchain network is very hard. <laughs> it's really hard. I saw it firsthand at Cosmos. It took a team, it took a whole team, it took a lot of dedication, a lot of hard work. Many, there were many mistakes. There are a lot of obstacles. Uh, like a lot of things have to go right uh, to launch a, a successful, you know, uh, public network. Today's guest on the Covalent Podcast is Jordan from Looney. Jordan, how are you? Hey, Ganesh, I'm great. Super happy to have you here, Jordan. Jordan, what is Looney? Give me a one-minute pitch on how you describe Looney to a potential end user. Sure. Looney is a staking and governance platform for proof-of-stake systems uh, available on iOS, Android, browser extension. I've known Jordan and uh, the Looney team with Fabo uh, about a year. So we both got into this incubator program called Creative Destruction Lab. And this was last summer, if you guys remember, uh, the Covalent team moved from Vancouver to Toronto uh, for this boot camp, which was a month long. And that's when we got, uh, got to work together, got a chance to hang out. And then uh, the CDL program is a year long program. And it's a pretty brutal program. Um, I think there were 50 companies that started out and today uh, I think there are less than 10. And so I'm happy to have one of the survivors here, uh, <laughs> Jordan Pumoni, of course, you know, Covalent survived as well. And so uh, we're going into our next session, which I believe is our final session uh, next Friday for us. And uh, yeah, and this is going to be a virtual event. So, so far uh, it's been happening every two months or so. And, uh, we've been catching up. Uh, we started out in different ecosystems, uh, different perspectives. So Covalent on the Ethereum side and um, uh, Looney on the Cosmos side. But now as we branch out, as we expand, uh, we see a lot of opportunities in the future to collaborate. So that's like the backstory from, uh, you know, how uh, we got to know uh, Jordan and the, uh, the Looney team. Uh, so, okay. So this is... Uh, our first ever episode of the Covalent podcast. So let's just get started. Like, how did you get into the space? Like what attracted you to blockchains? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was working at a, at a, a public data aggregation company in Toronto. And um, I had always been, I'd always been watching uh, the cryptocurrency space kind of on the sidelines. And I, and I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted it to, I, I wanted it to be my day job. I wanted to, to, to really like dig in and you know start start understanding really what was happening in this space. Um, so I uh, I've known Ethan, uh, one of the founders of the Cosmos project and Tendermint, uh, for a long time, and so uh, we started chatting. And there was there was a need for um, basically they brought me on to the Tendermint team as a product manager, and I ended up doing some engineering management and product design and product management there. Um, that was kind of my first uh, first foray into the space. Uh, that was like a crash, working at Tenement's like a crash course in, in blockchains. Um, it was an extremely talented and knowledgeable team. And then um, I was there for about a year and a half and uh, we helped launch the Cosmos Network. Oh, wow. The Cosmos and the Tenement team are super technical. Right. They basically invented uh, a production ready consensus algorithm 
and uh, they've put this architecture together to launch the next 100 blockchains. So how was it uh, fitting in with, uh, with a very technical team uh, coming in as a product manager, someone with uh, UI, UX focus? Uh, what was that like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I was, I appreciated the opportunity to learn so much about like, you know, uh, distributed systems and, and, uh, software, a very different kind of software than I was used to, you know, uh, most, uh, software companies, like most startups in the city are building, um, you know, proprietary systems that, um, where they have control over all the variables and, um, it's a whole different, you know, distributed systems is a whole different way of thinking about things. Um, it was good. There's a lot of opportunity, I think, still for people that have a product background and design background in the space. Uh, a lot of what's happening in the industry is very uh, technology driven, very yeah. engineering driven. And um, uh, I mean, to be expected, um, but um, yeah, there's, there's still a lot of opportunity for for people to, you know, build empathy for the end user, to make decisions for a broader audience as opposed to just like a very technical audience. Um, yeah, and so, so, so they're very welcoming there. I mean, I was, we were um, focusing on the wallet. So there's a natural um, understanding that the user experience is gonna be important. But um, a lot of the work was, you know, translating what exists in the blockchain uh, uh, you know, translating the technical experience to something that that's easier to understand. Yeah. So uh, help me understand. So uh, Looney, uh, I believe it was called something else back then, was a project that was incubated inside or outside. When was the transition uh, to you guys being an independent team and uh, essentially uh, leave the nest if you will right. <laughs> yeah yeah it wasn't it wasn't a plan that way uh from the outset we we fabo and i were were kind of working on the wallet team we had some other uh great great team members um there uh, the product was called voyager when we joined um and and uh as we got as launch approached i think we started feeling like uh, we wanted to be able to build this software, build this product experience, apply this user experience thinking to, 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 to more than one, to more than one uh, network. So um, yeah, right around launch, we, we kind of decided we, we wanted to leave. Um, we worked with them. Uh, um, so, uh, you know, we left on good terms and have a good relationship with everybody still, but we wanted to be able to define our own roadmap. We wanted to bring the product we had been working on to you know, to Polkadot, to Tezos, um, to other you know, uh, other proof of stake systems. Um, yeah. When when abouts was this? Uh, Luna's like just over a year old, so it okay. was um it was right after right around launch, basically like uh, March of twenty nineteen. What is what would you say is the most interesting aspect of your job at Luni? Sure. Well, um, you know, understanding how to run a, a, a remote team is interesting. It's fun. Uh, I mean, I like building software. I like designing software. What's most interesting about it? I mean, keeping up with this space is like, is, uh, is, is a real, is, is a lot. Um, there's the amount of 
the amount of things, the amount of stuff being built and and like progress being made is is uh, is uh, uh, yeah is, is 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 what's most interesting. I think it, it seems like every day there's a new a new DeFi protocol, new staking system, new incentivized testnet, uh, new validator program. You know, some big exchange launching some new 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 product. Uh, it's uh, I think that's what's most interesting. It's like trying to keep up. Yeah, uh, you and me. Uh, it's it's more than a full time job. Uh, I actually wanted to tell the community that guys slow down because I have an actual job <laughs> to do. And so, like last week, there were there were two decentralized exchanges that launched on Ethereum uh, on top of you know the dozen or so we have. So uh, I, I definitely uh, empathize with that view. So you've started with uh, uh, the staking uh, wallet. So you help uh, delegators and validators uh, with their uh, delegations, uh, undelegations, understanding uh, the performance and all that kind of stuff. But let's say if you were not incubated at the Cosmos team, would you have entered a, a different aspect for this wallet? Because there's DeFi-focused wallets, there's trading-focused wallets, uh, and then there's staking, which obviously you guys are uh, you know, the best at. So if you were to go back, would you have started uh, with a different entry point? Of course, un with the understanding that over the next couple of months, couple of years, you are going to expand your scope and cover all of these things. But your entry point, what is Looney known for today? Would you have made a different choice? It's a, it's hard. It's a, it's a hard question to answer because um, everything I know now is so uh, informed by by the space that we're in. Um, we're, I mean, I think staking is a uh, is an absolutely fascinating kind of segment of the of what's happening in the cryptocurrency world. I think um, I, I, I I certainly believe in a future where there are uh, hundreds or thousands of independent blockchains. Um, each of those may have, you know, dozens, hundreds of, of different protocols running on top of them. But uh, to me, I, I don't really, um, you know, kind of coming from the Cosmos world, it, uh, it, it seems obvious to me that there's going to be a lot of different blockchain projects. And um, basically every new blockchain project is launching with some kind of staking system. Even a lot of the new DeFi protocols are, uh, you know, on Ethereum uh, are... Um, are leveraging a, a kind of staking experience, like a, like a, um, you know, as some layer, maybe not for the infrastructure layer, but on some on some level. Uh, um, so to me, like staking is a is a, it's a it's an area that we feel like we can where we can have a big impact. Um, it's an area that we're that we're comfortable in. We understand it, and well, we're tr trying to keep up with everything that's happening. But um, it seems clear that it's the future. So. Um, that's kind of that's why we're excited and why we're here. So probably, yeah, I would say um, pursuing this, um, you know, carving out a niche uh, is a good way to start. We're a small we're a small team and we can't do everything. Um, there's a lot of good players in the DeFi space. There's a lot of great Ethereum wallets, uh, Bitcoin wallets, but you know, um, uh, uh, and now there are some good staking staking options too. But we feel like we can really uh, have an impact here. Jumping into the Looney product itself. Uh, what kinds of data do you expose to your users? Do you focus on a specific kind of user and a specific kind of view, or uh, is it is it 
uh, more general purpose with multiple uh, configuration options and so on. Yeah, right now it's pretty, it's, um, there's, so right now, uh, Looney's designed, the data we expose is um, mostly specific to an address. So you put it in an address, you can pick any address, doesn't have to be yours. Um, you know, uh, it's kind of like a personalized block explorer in that way. You can put in any address, see that address's portfolio, staking portfolio, you can see their transaction history. Of course, all of this data is available on the public blockchains. Um, so it's designed from a, uh, from a, from a, from a token holder's perspective. Uh, validators do use Looney for, for staking and governance purposes, but um, you sign in with a, with a, with a regular address and you can, you can see um, data, you can see your, your balance, you can see the rewards um, claimed, uh, rewards that need to be claimed. Uh, um, you can see your, um, your staking portfolio, that would be the list of validators um, that you have uh, staked to. You can see um, governance proposals. Of course, you can vote on those. Uh, you can create a proposal, actually. Um, and then, yeah, you know, so kind of what you'd expect. There's a you know a blocks page. We social show some data about um, some stuff that's happening on the chain, but it's really tailored towards like the end user, uh, the token holder who's staking or interested in staking. I believe someone from the Cosmos ecosystem. I can't remember. I, I think it was Ethan said something about you guys hacking the governance proposal to promote Looney. Uh, what was that? Just, uh, you know. Oh, oh. Yeah. well, no, it's not really a hack. So, um, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we, um, I forgot about that. It was a few months ago. We, so there's an, it's, uh, Cosmos has an on-chain governance system. You can, it's right now very simple. Like you can make a text-based proposal, it will end up on the blockchain. It costs like one micro atom. So yeah, one micro atom uh, or yeah, you atom to make a proposal. And of course, um, so if you make a proposal, uh, it'll be, it, it stays on, it stays uh, for two weeks. Uh, it can accept deposits on that proposal to see if, you know, it should go to the voting period. So we just, when we launched our uh, mobile apps, iOS and Android, we just said, you know, as a proposal, like, cause we want it to show up in everybody's block explorers and other, other wallets that have, the proposal feature. I'm surprised there isn't more spamming going on or, or advertising. It's a good advertising platform, you know, for, for a, a cup, you know, for a fraction of a penny, you can kind of uh, appear in a, in a bunch of uh, uh, products uh, around the internet. So, yeah, I mean, the response was, I don't know, we didn't get a lot of very negative, we didn't get a lot of negative feedback from it. I, yeah. I, maybe we should do it again. <laughs> Yeah, not too much though, because you don't want to. Uh, uh, well, I guess all press is good. I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think these. I think these platforms are 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 fundamentally about experimentation. I don't yeah. think anybody thinks that that the governance system on Cosmos or on any blockchain is um, flawless, right? Like, you know, there the, the, you know there is real money on the line and there are assets, real assets involved. But at the end of the day, these are, these are software experiments. Like Tendermint is still an alpha technically. If you go to GitHub, Tendermint's on alpha. It's running, you know, hundreds of blockchains right. uh, in production. What, what is next? Like what kind of uh, views, what kind of uh, data, what kind of features are you going to be building into Looney over the next uh, three to six months? Yeah, sure. So, 
there's a lot of interesting data that is not easy to access right now, um, but we're working on it, or maybe we'll be working with you on it. Um, I mean, historical data is obvious. Um, being able to, to watch your balance over time, especially in a system that's kind of uh, based around rewards, you want to see how how your how your how your balance is changing over time. Um, historical data in blockchains that upgrade is a challenge too. So right now, the Cosmos Hub is on uh, Hub is on the third you know third version. So uh, right now, Looney doesn't show data from Hub one and Hub two. So this is you know like transaction history. Of course, your your balance doesn't doesn't reset or anything like that but um so just having more uh you know having a comprehensive uh being able to show all the data that's relevant uh yeah, despite the technical challenges is you know the the role of a of a ui i think the role of a product like ours um we're, we're particularly interested in um uh advancing the state of like validator data so we're in a unique position we'll we'll we're adding we're adding a bunch of new networks to Looney over the course of the year, and then um, you know we can start aggregating data across networks. Like validator profiles right now are uh, per network, but we can combine them uh, and show the uptime across networks. We can show the you know commission fee commission rates across networks. We can show um, um, all types of different data from multiple blockchains, uh, which I think will will provide users with a more comprehensive picture, right? Um, yeah, voting power across networks is kind of interesting, right? Maybe, you know, some, some, everybody, uh, stakers have different, um, different objectives. Some just are optimizing yield. Some want to, want to promote decentralization. And so, um, yeah, getting more, I think aggregating data is really the next, the next thing. Um, uh, we're in, we're in a unique position to do that. Um, from a data perspective too, the next thing is um, for us, the notification system. So like, there's a lot of stuff happening. These blockchains don't sleep, right? They're, yeah. they're online and- uh, um, Unless you're IOTA. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So, you know, every, every, every six to eight seconds, there's a new block and things are happening. Um, right now, there aren't really any great um, notification or like alerting systems for end users. Um, so it's one example, you know, I have a staking portfolio and includes a, a bunch of different validators. I don't get any notifications if any of them experience any downtime or if they change their commission rates or their fee rates, right? Like, so there's important stuff happening all the time. If there's a slashing event on any blockchain that I'm on, I would love to, to know about it. Um, uh, a few weeks ago in a, in a you know, Cosmos Telegram, there's like people were freaking out. One of the validators was offline and nobody could yeah. get a hold of them. And it's like, well, uh, so, so some of the validators have monitoring and alerting systems in place, of course, for their own uh, purposes. But I think um, a user-facing uh, product in this area is something we're, we're, we're working on and pretty excited about. Yeah, I believe their alerting and monitor is more on the infrastructure layer. Exactly. They have uh, missed blocks and that kind of stuff, which is not super helpful to the end user. What kind of data sources or what kind of data are you trying to understand in order to prioritize feature requests or to understand the ecosystem? Uh, how do you make data-driven decisions at Looney? I use products like Masari and Staking Rewards like, to get an overview of what's happening. We're, you know, we're in the process of determining our, our network roadmap, like which networks we're gonna add next. So we have to consider a lot of different data points there. Um, 
one is you know um, market cap of course one is but 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 even you know what's i think what's what's more valuable to us is like active communities and that's a harder thing to to measure um a harder thing to to collect data on too i mean we have a grading system for our for our network integrations we look at things like you know number of twitter followers telegram uh participants in telegram um number of wallets period and then of you know of the something we're working on now is um uh, trying to understand the number of wallets that are actually participating in staking right um because there's a lot of you know wallets that just have a couple tokens in them sitting and doing nothing and we're, we're particularly interested in the staking community so um data's a challenge still um, um yeah, there's a lot of we know there's a lot of data, but it's hard to it's hard to get it, and and especially uh, you know across. Um, um, I mean, you know how hard it is to 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 get good data on on Ethereum uh, on one blockchain. We're talking about potentially hundreds, and uh, there is no kind of native uh, you know data data system uh, uh, that's easy to access, uh, easy to query. So, yeah, that's something we're working on. Very cool. So uh, the most important thing for you is engagement data rather than just market cap, rather than just number of transactions. It's basically how many end users or potential end users uh, as part of your due diligence in whether you want to support or prioritize a certain blockchain integration. Because yeah, that makes sense. If you were to rank all of the possible integrations, uh, first column is the list of blockchain networks. The second column are uh, the size of the community. And then if you just focus, it's always the Pareto principle, right? 80-20. So if you just do four integrations and you have maximum exposure and maybe the rest you can get to it when they reach a certain threshold. Okay, that's very smart, awesome. If I were a blockchain network, uh, I can either be pre-launch or post-launch uh, and Pre-launch, there can be multiple phases. I could be having a, a test net. I could have a, a beta net, an alpha net, a main net. What would a process look like from a timeline and integration standpoint to have my blockchain network's data exposed through Looney and I can send people to Looney in order to participate in securing my network? Sure. So it really depends um, on a couple. There's there's a few important factors. One is like the underlying data model, the framework that was used to build the blockchain. So because we already have some Cosmos integrations and we're very familiar with the technology, if if you're a Cosmos SDK blockchain, um, you know it can be a, a a few days of work for us to 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 basically once we secure an endpoint for for the data. Uh, like from from a node that's running um yeah you know it's a few days to get everything uh to our standard we basically um our api will query the query the node all the endpoints we need transform the data the way that we we like to show it in in the front end uh, in the on the web and in mobile and then um and then that's it we work on some announcements and you know try and get people to use it um for for networks with totally different data models or like you know unique layer one networks i would call them um 
you know, depending on how good the documentation is and what the existing infrastructure is like, it can take a little bit more time, but you know, it's, it's a few weeks. Um, and of course it depends on things like, um, you know, we're, we're, we're announcing the Kusama uh, integration very soon. Um, we've been working on that for a while. You know, a lot of the, I'll give you an example. A lot of the validators in Kusama, they don't have names, like, like human readable names or images yet. You know, so we have to make decisions about our user experience. Like, what do we do? Like, if you look at the validator list, if you're a potential staker on Kusama and you look at the validator list and it's all, you know, hashes and, uh, right. you know, uh, uh, non-human readable information is, you know, uh, what are we going to do about that? So um, things like that pop up occasionally when we're looking at new networks, like uh, what are the optimizations we need to make that, uh, you know, we, could, we didn't account for because this is a new, new set of APIs and, and new, new data model. Uh, with, the, with the Kusama integration, like it takes about, um, it takes about a minute right now to query rewards. Okay. Like, like reward data for the end user. So, you know, we've been developing a system to, to make this, uh, you know, take a second or less instead. So those kinds of things are, are harder to predict, but yeah, you know, it takes a couple of weeks to get a, you know, a stable, um, stable integration done. And there's a few, there's a few milestones, um, just, to, you know, a few like levels of integration. The first level is just showing data, as you said. So we can do that relatively quickly, relatively quickly. Um, the second level is an integration with like uh, with the, the address management features and um, and transactions. So like signing, you know, creating an address, recovering an address, signing uh, transactions or messages, um, and we do that on mobile and in the extension. So that takes a bit more time. It's a bit more involved. You have to understand, you know, another set of libraries basically. Um, and then the third, and then like the third. Uh, milestone or deliverable for us usually is the like a hardware integration and you know that's a whole nother set of like you know uh, libraries and um, uh, things to overcome uh, user experience challenges um, uh, and that's assuming you know the in the case of ledger like the ledger apps already available on the ledger live store it's usually in, in the ledger live app it's usually not and so uh, you know those are the those are the things we think about and yeah, you know, so we're looking from a few days to a few weeks, depending on the, the complexity of the integration. And so I'm, I'm guessing from the Looney side, the architecture is designed in a way where you can plug in these different networks and you provide a unified interface to your end users because it doesn't make sense. It would be very jarring if every network had a completely different view, right? So more or less, you know, of course, there are going to be nuances. So what if a particular network doesn't have the data in a format or is not a, you're not able to query the data in a format that fits into your model? Like what, uh, has that ever happened so far? Um, would that blow up your time, uh, realistic timelines? Like can you give an example of a, of a network that, that has happened? No, it's a pretty, it's a pretty flexible system we have. So, you know, if data doesn't exist, for example, like some, some of the networks that we have uh, or that we're looking at don't have governance yet, that's fine. We just, uh, you know, we don't try to, we don't try to integrate the governance features if, if it, if it's not there. Um, yeah. In the case of, in the case of Kusama, as I was saying, like, you know, the, there isn't a, the, the, um, 
the kind of simple rewards endpoint that we might get from from uh, Cosmos SDK, which to us is critical information. Like the user comes every time they you know a user comes to check their portfolio, they want to see how many rewards they've of course. earned. Uh, so you know the performance on that endpoint. Uh, now, granted, Kusama's uh, you know a testnet and uh, kind of you know uh, and uh, um, they're you know in rapid development. They're they're updating the API really often so this could change but right now it takes like a minute to query the rewards because it has to go back through all the errors and i don't know do this uh do this rewards calculation uh, that's not really acceptable in a in a user-facing product so we designed a system that would kind of uh, scrape this data in advance and then you know be able to serve it uh, uh you know upon request instead of instead of you know letting the node do the processing for us basically um, that's an example, you know, it time that we didn't expect to be spending on something, something we took, you know, we took for granted that there would be a nice clean endpoint for rewards data. Um, that's okay, you know, these are all like interesting engineering problems and our, we have a great engineering team, so they, <laughs> they tend to figure it out. Yeah. Um, when is too early? You know, if I, if I had a white paper that I wrote, maybe I outsource yeah. it, but I have a white paper. I come sure. to Looney and say, hey, I want an integration. It's, <laughs> that's obviously too early. But yeah. uh, along the spectrum. Maybe, 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 not. maybe <laughs> we should, maybe we should put, maybe we should put a PDF viewer as <laughs> for a white paper project. It's a great idea. Nice Actually, idea, yeah. no, um, this just came to my mind, but if you provided an SDK, a Looney SDK, that a network has to adapt to, I think that would help uh, educate the newer networks in how, uh, just from your experience, because you've integrated with all of these networks and this yeah. is the minimum bar. And so just like how you have your tiers of integration, you can have tiers of SDK uh, levels or whatever you want in terms of the granularity. And so the blockchain network can expose an, an endpoint to fit that level, for example, having human-friendly names for validators. Yeah. Maybe that's a feature, maybe that's not a feature, but that would be one of the checkpoints on that list. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we get, we get a lot of questions about, about that. Um, uh, you know, uh, and I, I started writing a post actually, uh, more around like what's important to, to, to bootstrap a, a proof of stake community. But I think on the technical side, yeah, there, are, there are a number of things that that uh, will make the, the end user experience just so much easier uh, and so much smoother for anybody who's implementing any any UI. Um, yeah. Okay, so now let's get into a, a controversial uh, question. Uh, Amongst your uh, competitors or potential competitors or uh, competitors you don't even know about, uh, what are they getting very, very, very wrong? Like completely like off base. Like you look at this as like, oh, these guys are these guys are clowns. So, no, I don't. I don't feel that way. I, I there are there are a number of patterns that I that I um, reject. I guess um, one is um, I download every cryptocurrency wallet I ever hear of. Right? I want to test it out and feel it and see what it's like and see what data they're showing and, and understand really what the user experience is like. Uh, if I have to write down a seed and then re-enter it just to use, like, just to like see inside of an app, like to me, it's like, it's such a, it's such a barrier. 
we designed we designed Looney from from the beginning to like you you don't have to sign in you don't have to have an address you don't have to tell us who you are it's it's a, it's an open website uh, if you visit Looney um, you can see the validator list on any on any of our networks you can read the governance proposals like the data isn't behind a seed phrase because you know because there's value in the data aside from yeah. you know necessary like you know um, Showing this data is um, is uh, one of the things we offer. It's one of our value propositions, I suppose. And uh, making transactions is another is another kind of use case and, and user story. Um, so that's one big thing. Like, uh, if you're building a wallet, like don't you know, like show like you know show value before before you make people commit to the three to six minute seed process. Like I make these seeds. I'm not. I never intend to send any tokens to these wallets. I'm just want to like you know, see what it's like and feel it. That's one big thing, like, I don't, that I don't understand, like, the, the, the barrier is very high still. Um, aside from that, I, I think something, something we, we noticed early on, or one of our hypotheses, uh, one of the reasons we thought we could, we could build something interesting here, is, um, is an emphasis on community, like, like, I think that's missing from a lot of wallets. A lot of a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of existing wallets come from like the narrative I, I see at least is like uh, proof of work coins. You know, um, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all the ERC twenty tokens. Um, they're very um, in the early days at least were very finance folk, very personal finance. It's all about your balance and and the transactions you're going to make. And there's no relationship between. Uh, a token holder and a miner like it doesn't it doesn't matter to, to anybody which which miner mine the the eth that they have in their wallet um in proof of stake systems it's 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 fundamentally about the community it's about the it's a it's a kind of um three-sided you know uh, network you have the the team stewarding the project usually public developers and marketing teams and you know people trying to to to, to grow adoption on their their new platform you have token holders and you have validators or network operators or bakers, whatever, whatever you want to call them. And, you know, from the outset, I think this is, this is, this is different. Um, this is different than what we've seen before. We have um, validators who are, some of them are anonymous, but a lot of them are public facing. They're, they're, they're individuals or people. They have logos, websites, contact buttons. And um, so I think fundamentally this is about like a, like a, like a, a set of relationships. And, and I think that's, um, it's clear that a lot of uh, uh, wallets that 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 are moving into staking are still in in an old paradigm where they where where it's just like it's not about um, it's not about understanding what's happening in the community. It's not about understanding the social part of the network. And uh, we, um, I think, in the next year, uh, you're going to see a lot more uh, community focus on Looney. Uh, it's it's about it's about the contributors to the network. It's about the different network stakeholders. Um, I think that's something that uh, that we're that we're getting right, and we and we'll get right, and uh, that maybe some of our competitors are 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 getting wrong. What have you learned in 2019, uh, which is brand new, super insightful, uh, and has has helped elevate your 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 performance and how you approach work in 2019 and in 2020. Yeah, we've we've spoken with I've spoke, I've personally spoken with with over forty staking networks in the last year. Um, you know, trying to pitch them on in a Looney integration, but also understand 
you know, what their struggles are, wh what's working for them, what's not working. And I think um, launching a blockchain network is very hard. <laughs> it's really hard. I saw it firsthand at Cosmos. It took a team, it took a whole team, it took a lot of dedication, a lot of hard work. Many, there were many mistakes. There are a lot of obstacles. Uh, like a lot of things have to go right uh, to launch a, a successful, you know, uh, public network. Um, I think at times what that means is, um, you know, uh, you can't prioritize everything. So I think, I think there's still, um, it's hard to, there's not a lot of empathy yet from a lot of these new networks for the end user experience. They're, they have a lot of other priorities like, you know, making sure the, the, the software works. Uh, they have to get a, 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 you know, figuring out a token sale in some kind of, you know, legitimate way. Um, making sure the software works, testing the software, recruiting developers, uh, um, uh, recruiting validators, building an uh, incentivized testnet program. And I think, I think it's, um, it's a huge undertaking. Launching a public, a successful public system is a huge task. Like it's, you know, um, there's so many stakeholders. And I think, um, so one of the, one of the learnings I think is like, uh, we took for granted that, that networks would, and new projects would feel the same way we do about the end user experience. Uh, everybody wants to say like it's going to be a great UX experience. It's going to be an easy, you know, for easy to a good token holder experience or a good validator experience. But it's you can't. It doesn't. Ha it doesn't come for free. You have to. You have to vote to time and energy, or you know, work with a company like us to to make sure you have a a great product for people to use. Um, so I think that's that was one of the interesting learnings. Like we can't. You know, you can't. Um, we can't sell like we can't we can't force empathy like if it's not there you know uh, uh, you know uh, then it's going to be a tough for us to sell our integrations and that's forced us to to adjust how we how we pitch things and um, and also you know uh, look to some other uh, opportunities that's so so interesting if a blockchain network doesn't have a need or the timing is off then there's nothing there's no business there. Yeah, we. I mean, we were very focused when we started on on. We thought, okay, we're just going to do, we're just going to do network integration, paid network integrations. Um, we wanted to have the, you know, very simple SaaS model. We'll just, okay, there's there's currently a hundred networks. Next year, there's going to be another hundred. Let's try and get all of them on Looney. It's so so obvious that our fee is um, so much less than like hiring a product team or or even just hiring one developer, it's gonna be, you know, it's a no brainer for everybody. And then over the course of a year, you know, we have some success, but also a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, rejection. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, um, it's a, uh, yeah, we learned a valuable lesson, which is that, um, you know, timing is important. As you said, timing of these networks, like a lot of them are early. A lot of them are very early. They're not, they haven't felt the pain of not using a product like Looney yet. Right, they're just trying to get the thing out the door. They're trying to build a community. They're trying. There's so much going on. So at first it was frustrating. It was like, ah, oh, why don't they? Why don't they get it? Like it's so obvious to us. Now I think uh, after a whole year of um, you know um, learning and reflection, it's it's like 
yeah, timing is important and um and um and empathy um empathy for 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 our for our for the for the segment of the network that we're interested in tends to come later and so it's hard to it can be hard to sell um hard to sell to um to early early networks yeah how do you know you're succeeding uh week after week or month after month or quarter after quarter or year after year uh what is that one chart that is up and to the right or you want it to be up and to the right obviously you know uh revenue but you know looney is a lot more than just making money right there you have a a specific view on the world that you want to express through your product and your company so what is that one metric that that you uh care about and it's uh you uh every new team member every partner knows that this is what you're about what is that how do you know you're succeeding with looney uh not financially but as an ecosystem uh partner yeah. or a pillar yeah we look at we look at the the percentage of of stakers on a network that are using looney thinking back to looney the product wallets have traditionally had a retention problem right so if i were a, a delegator um how often would i delegate this maybe once a month maybe i check my balances and then i don't i'm not it's not like something i would use twice a day right it's not it's not a snapchat it's not a communication tool so how are you thinking about this retention problem because because you're non custodial uh and if there is an emergency they might end up using a different product to resolve the issue right so how are you thinking about the retention issue has that come up yet uh, what are your thoughts around uh making the product stickier because you're non custodial that's a specific challenge for non custodial wallets i think it's easy to dismiss uh non custodial products as too easy to churn or 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 you know stickiness will never be there because users can just leave whenever they want um I mean it's true and I think that's good I think that's a good thing you know um we can't the data the data that's relevant to us and to our users is not siloed in looney database right it's on the blockchain um I think that that forces us to stay you know to stay competitive and and uh, I think it's probably a net good for the it's net good for the end user the switching cost is still very high the chances that somebody's going to find um I mean our our real value proposition is the user experience. We still have a lot of work to do. We have not solved this. We don't we don't have the type of experience we we know we can offer yet. We're still, you know, it's it's good. it's something we're constantly working on. But if you take a look at some of the other options, um uh there's a bunch of problems with switching. Um one is just like it's it can be confusing and clunky. So let's say you find another another wallet that supports staking on cosmos a bunch of our a bunch of the other options in the space they don't show the whole validator list for example so if you have a portfolio of of uh um validators and and they're not all like for example trust wallet they don't show every validator right now so i'm not sure exactly what that looks like if you have it may, you know maybe it maybe it uh results in a uh, an incomplete overview of of the data um uh if you care about governance a lot of the wallets that are offering staking don't offer uh governance support so there's more i think there's more than there's more to stickiness and churn than just like it being non custodial 
if we provide a good experience, um, and what we've seen is people, you know, if people are comfortable with the, with, with the security of our system, of the user experience, of the language we use, the way we describe things, then, then people stick around. It was a bit concerning at the beginning because we saw a huge um, increase in engagement and activity right at the beginning of the Cosmos network. And then over time, it went, you know, it kind of slowed down. Um, now we kind of, now we're comfortable with this idea because it's, there's a, uh, and I expect we'll see the same thing on Polkadot. It's a, it's a, you know, there's a rush at the beginning yeah. for all of these unstaked assets to become staked assets. And so, um, uh, yeah, we feel like if we can capture that wave at the beginning, users, we don't see, we don't really see users leaving. Um, um, because we provide a good experience, it's easy to use, it's easy to understand. And I think, um, the network effect that we're trying to build is around the multi-network experience. So um, I don't think there are a bunch of, I don't think there are a number of, uh, it's, a, it's a real challenge to standardize the user experience across, let's just say Cosmos, Polkadot, and Tezos. And uh, I think we're gonna do a really good job there. Uh, even, even if you just think about the language, um, you have validators in Cosmos, you have bakers um, in, in, in uh, Tezos. And so, you know, we, we have to, um, a lot of the work that we do goes into standardizing this, this experience, standard, standardizing the user experience. Um, so I think um, yeah, reducing, reducing that friction there will, will you know, will, um, I'm not too worried about the retention problem. I, we, users like, you know, our users love using Looney and uh, um, yeah, I think there's, I think it's easy to, I think, I think in, in the industry, we overestimate the, you know, the churn from, from it being non-custodial. I'm sure you can relate to, you know, some, some products that you use. You, I mean, you could, you, you're, uh, you're leaving your seeds where they are, so to speak. Yeah. So my belief here is that brand is the only defensible uh, asset you have. That's mm -hmm. it. And so with Looney, not only is it non-custodial, it's also open source. So in theory, someone can come in and fork your code and launch a competing product, but they can never copy the Looney brand and the voice and the, and the, and the placement in people's minds. So sure. that, is, that is truly defensible. And as you get the flywheel started with one network, two networks, three networks, hundreds of networks, Looney will then become the default choice for a lot of the upcoming networks. So there's that network effects, which I think is uh, very, very cool. And yeah. it's similar to this idea that like you can just fork something and then it's, and then yeah. all the value is gone. Yeah. It's, it's like, okay, yeah, you could you, like, of course we have, there are, a bunch, there are a lot of forks of Looney and there, and some of them are online and great people use them. And it's, it was, uh, you know, uh, it's exciting to see when somebody does that, but some of our customers that have forks are now are talking to us about doing Looney integrations, right? Of course, yeah. There's, there's a lot more. There's a lot more going on. Hey, uh, I'm Jordan, uh, co-founder of Looney.io, and I'm super excited to be on the Covalent podcast. Excellent. Double thumbs up for you. <laughs> <laughs>